We are the family of God Striving to be what we are People of more Ready to receive our King blessing Oh, oh, oh Christ our Lord We are people of more And the lost we stole Oh, 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 yeah For Christ our Lord Tell everyone we are people of more Say, oh, oh, yeah Oh, we are people of more Tell them we're gonna learn more We grow stronger We stronger than we did before this week on this day and it'll continue to be good on tomorrow and forevermore we continue and we complete our, our sermon series on today christianity one-on-one um the, the the goal and the aim of this sermon series at the beginning was to uh both be a reminder to provide some apologetics and to hopefully help someone save their soul we started off Figuring out, learning, being reminded that sin is a problem. I got it from here, Kendra. Being reminded that sin was a problem, right? And it separates us and, and it causes our relationship with God to be hindered. It makes it to where we, we, we're not, when, when we have sin in our life, we're not sleeping in the same room with God, right? <laughs> the married folks understood that. When we, when we get into the sin, we're sleeping on the couch. And so our relationship was severed when sin came into this world. And so God started to put together a plan, and the key to that plan was faith. And he introduced us to this key called faith through uh, the great patriarch Abraham. And Abraham showed so much great faith that he was willing to leave everything he knew, to leave all his belongings behind, to leave all of the land that he was familiar with, all the family behind to go to a land that God would show him. 
future tense. And he believed that. And God said, I'll bless you. God said, those who bless you, I'll bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse. He said, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars. And he said, through you, the whole world will be blessed. And right there, God is foreshadowing what is to come. Because through the lineage of Abraham will come the son of God, Jesus the Christ. And so this plan that God had was thought of before the foundation of the earth. And God said, I'm going to send my son down here. He's going to be in the form of a human being, yet he's going to live a perfect life. And since we know that sin or the penalty for sin is death and he dies, we know that death cannot hold Jesus. And so death is trying to get a hold of him. But it says, I don't have anything to hold on to. I'm trying to take Jesus to court, but he's innocent. And so he, he must get up. God raises Jesus from the dead. And so we asked ourselves at the end of last week, so what do we do with that? What do we do with that? And on today's lesson, I want to talk with you uh, about that, how to become a Christian. In essence, we're, we're answering the question, how do we obey this gospel story, this good news story about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to first let you know that in order for this to happen, there must be a transformation. There's many tiny transformations that take place when you are becoming a Christian. And I want to tell you about this transformation that I know about. There, there's, there's this movie called Shrek. How many of y'all seen Shrek before? Let me show you uh, a, a character from Shrek right there. This, this is Shrek's wife. What's his wife's name? Fiona, yeah. That's Fiona. And see, in the movie Shrek, Fiona, she has a problem, right? It's either at night or when the full moon, I don't remember. But she turns into that green being that you see on the on your right. Right? And she has to come to terms with that. She's struggling with her identity and she doesn't want Shrek to see that she too is an ogre. Well, it comes to what well, come to find out, Fiona finds out. It doesn't matter what her outward appearance looks like. And so what happens is you have an inward transformation that happens, right? She stays looking. She chooses to stay looking like the, the ogre on the right, but she's changed internally. And that's what has to happen to every human being who does not have a relationship with Jesus the Christ. When you are baptized and you become a Christian, your outer appearance doesn't change, right? You might be a little ashy when you come out the water. Your hair might be wet. But what changes and what should change is your heart, right? Because that's what's going to last. That's what's going to be present for eternity, right? We repent of our sins. We change our ways. We confess. We make all of these things, these declarations, and we believe in this thing, and and we confess the, the name of Jesus as the Christ. We're baptized and we're changed. And so, again, we know. We know these three things already. We talked about this the past three weeks. We know that sin is the problem. We know that faith is the key. And we also know that, thank God, he had a plan. Because we couldn't do anything about our present state. So the question that we ask ourselves is, what do we do now? Turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter two. We're gonna we're gonna find ourselves down by the thirty uh, seventh verse. I believe we're starting at thirty seven. We'll see here once I change the slide. 
but I, I want to talk to you about the book of Acts first. This this book of Acts is a document that is written by Luke. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't Mother Goose. This is historical fact. And Luke is the author of Acts. And Luke, he really, really enjoys documenting history. And he includes so much detail and he makes it so real for us, the reader, thousands of years later. Luke, he begins with the story of Jesus giving instruction. Jesus has risen from the dead at this point, at the beginning of Acts. He's risen from the dead and he says, look, guys, my 11 that's left now because Judas is gone. I want you all to stay around here in Jerusalem because something big is about to happen. Jesus tells them, I want you to stay around here because something great is about to happen. Don't leave. You already left before. Don't leave this time. Right. And then we see in Acts that Jesus goes back into heaven. Right. Can you just imagine seeing somebody rise up? Like you see these magicians fake it, right? And they they float into the air, right? But Jesus goes back into the heavens, right? And then what happens next in Acts, because this is the Acts of the Apostles, right? What happens is that they need to find a replacement for Judas. And so they cast lots and they find another uh, replacement for Judas. And then they wait. And it just so happens that Luke moves the, the historical document to the day of Pentecost, right? And this is the next important day after the last important day, which was the Passover. Y'all remember the Passover? Y'all remember when the Israelites left from Egypt? Y'all remember that? Do you remember how God saved them? He said, put the blood of the what? Put the blood of the lamb over the door, right? The blood of the lamb is going to be what saves you. Well, this next day is the day of Pentecost. It's the name Pentecost literally means 50 days, right? It's 50 days after Passover, right? So think about this. Right? If 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 they left, right, if Pentecost or Sabbath took place, not Sabbath, but the Passover to take place on the last day of the week, what is that? Seven, seventh day, right? Right? This is called Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. It happened seven weeks after that. What's seven times seven? A day after that, what day would that be? 50, Pentecost, 50, right? It's in the name, right? So you have this important event that's happening on the day of Pentecost. All of the people that was around Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified, they came from all over the known world at this time, right? They come back to worship. They come back to show that they are devout. They come back, they say, I just know that Yahweh God is going to do something special. I'm bringing my first fruits to show that I'm thankful for what God has done, because that's what Pentecost is about, to bring your first fruits of your crop to show what God had done for you. Little did they know that they missed what God did for them the last time they were in Jerusalem. But they're about to find out. So they're in Jerusalem, and Peter and the rest of the apostles are in a room. Holy Spirit comes. And they're able to speak in every language of every person that's present. Can you imagine that? If I'm speaking English, right? And then we have people from all over the world come in and everybody can understand everything. I'm not talking about that bad translation that Google gives you, right? They give you a bad translation, you read it to someone else that speaks a different language, they laugh at you, right? They're able to understand everything in their own language. And Peter preaches a sermon then, and I broke his sermon down into three parts. Look, this is Peter's sermon in essence. He says, Peter says, 
the prophecy of Joel has come true. He says God is about to pour his Holy Spirit, not just on us, but on you. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free. He says that God is about to give his Holy Spirit to everybody. And it's come true. He moves on to his next point. He says, do you remember that dude, Jesus, that was here the last time you were in Jerusalem? And you guys voted to save the the other criminal instead of saving Jesus? Well, it turns out he was actually the son of God. Turns out he was actually son of God. And it turns out that Jesus, he was the Messiah that you guys keep waiting on. And Peter tells him, you're all guilty of his death. I want to tell you guys a secret. If you've ever done wrong in your life, if you've ever sinned, that's the reason why Jesus had to die. I'm guilty too. They hear this. They said, we've been waiting on this Messiah, this Savior to come, this anointed one to come, and we didn't do anything to save him. That's where our text begins. They hear this message. Verse 37. Is everybody there? Say amen if you're there. Say hold on if you're not. All right, y'all there. All right, the Bible says, Acts 2, verse number 37. I'm reading from CSB version. Uh, The Bible says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? do. Verse 38 says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the what? For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Verse 40 says, with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. So the question that comes up first is, how do I become a Christian? Or how do I know when to become a Christian? How do I know when to become a Christian? Well, the Bible starts off in verse 37. They hear this message. They hear that they played a part in the death of Jesus. They hear that they are in need of a Savior. And it says that they are cut to the heart or pierced to the heart. Now, this this word here in the Greek is used in the, the Odyssey story, right? And, and you have this word that's used. It literally means to poke a hole in something. When they heard this, not this this blood pump right here, their consciences were their conscience was troubled. They were disturbed based on what they heard. Have you ever been there before? Where you hear something and you know you're guilty? Right. You remember when you were children and you break something when your parents at work and then they come home and they say, where is that? Then you're like, oh, no. Right. You remember that feeling. That can't just be me. All right. You remember that feeling, that oh, no feeling like I've messed up. And so they ask Peter, who's presenting this great sermon, they say. What do we need to do? 
How do we respond to what you just said? You said that we're guilty. You said that we had the Messiah right before us and we didn't even bother to go see him. We didn't bother to try to save him. What is it that we need to do, Peter? What is it that 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 God wants us to do? What do we do? And so he says this in verse number eight. Peter replies simply. He says, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Now, I want you to know this word repent. In the Greek, in the original language of the New Testament, this word means to change one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. Now, if you're a note taker, if you're a note taker, I need you to understand that repentance does not equate to perfection. You are not going to be perfect. Okay? I don't care how great Tom Landry was. He's not perfect. Only true fans understand that. (laughs) Repentance is a complete change of mind. A complete change of mind. That means that when I decide to follow Jesus, I'm not going to next next week say, you know what? God's not done with me. I need to put down my religion right now and do some, some messed up stuff. We do that, right? I'm not going to be a Christian today because somebody just made me mad. Somebody just cut me off on 35. I got to say something crazy. Mm. This complete change of your mind about sin and the desire and the willingness to do right. That's all it is. And so Peter tells them, hey, Don't get so down on yourself. What you need to understand is I know that you're feeling guilty. Trust me, I know because I just denied the guy 50 days ago. He told me I was going to do it. I said I wasn't going to do it, and I did it. I said that I didn't even know him. So he said, just change your mind. Change your mind about what what you've been doing, how you've been living. He says, do that. But he then goes on, and he says, I need you to repent. What's that next word, that three-letter word? And be baptized. I need you to repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I need you to understand that a lot of people have problem with this thing, this conjunction, and. This is what I need you to understand. Baptism is not a work. Because a lot of people will tell you, Baptism is not essential to salvation, even though Peter just told him what you need to do is repent and be baptized. Okay, let's understand conditions. Okay, let's understand conditions. Let me get these these next two. The water is not what saves. It's not the water that saves. If that was the case, whoever took a bath yesterday is saved. Right. My third thing here is that baptism is essential to salvation. Baptism is essential for salvation. Now, this is what everybody agrees on here. Everybody agrees that these conditions are a part of salvation. People will come to you, they say, well, all you have to do is have faith. And they'll go to John 3.16 and they'll say, see, this is a part of salvation. Faith is a part of salvation, right? That's a condition, right? Repentance. They'll say repentance. Yeah, of course you got to change your mind when you when you want to be a Christian. Of course. Look at Acts 319. 
Let's get someone to read this. Brother Roe, get Acts uh, 3.19. Brother Arnold, get John 3.16 and have another reader get Romans 10, 9, and 10. And then they'll say, of course, confession is essential and it's a condition of salvation because look at Romans 10, 9 through 10, right? And I took this as I was reading from uh, uh, this book, Baptism Dead, Dipped, and Delivered by Dr. Orpheus J. Hayward. And he talked about the conditions that everybody is okay with. Everybody is in agreement that all three of these things are okay when it comes to salvation. All three things play a part. Now, Brother Roe, you might have to move over here uh, so it doesn't give feedback. What does John 3.16 say? For God loved the world in this way. Mm -hmm. He gave one and only Son uh -huh. so that everyone who believes in him uh -huh. would not perish but have eternal life. And people say, see, all you have to do is believe and you'll have eternal life. That's all you have to do. And then they'll say, also, repentance is condition. What does Acts 3.19 say? Repent ye therefore uh -huh. and be converted uh -huh. that your sins may be blotted out uh -huh. when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So people will say, look at that. All I need to do is repent and my sins will be blotted out. Right? And then they'll say, look at confession. Romans 10, 9 and 10. What does that say? Because if you confess with your mouth. If you confess with your mouth. That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. And believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. Come on. You will be saved. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes. With the heart one believes. And is justified. And is justified. And with the mouth one confesses. And with the, with the mouth one confesses. And is saved. Now, you can go to these verses and you can point these out and you can make your case. But I want you to know that when you read the Bible, you have to read it in context. Okay? You have to read in context. Because you can open up a newspaper. I know that's antiquated. Or you can open up an article. Or you can go to the shade room, because this is what the shade room does anyway, too. Right? If you just take one piece out the middle of that, you are not going to understand the whole picture. Right? Right? And so this is what they this is what this is what's going on. Everybody is okay with this condition thing. Now, I want to want to explain to you what a condition is. Do y'all remember when God told the Israelites to go to Jericho and march around the what? March around the walls. God says, I want you to march around the walls of Jericho. And they're marching, and he says, I want you to do this for so many days, for so long, and then the walls are gonna come down. Did the walls come down to Jericho? I got a question for you. Was it because they marched or was it because God took the walls down? God took the walls down. It was conditioned based on their obedience. God says, I'll do this if you're obedient to what I say to do. Does that make sense? I want to show you conditions because people will say that baptism is a work. And, and, and if someone says baptism is essential to salvation, that means that you're doing something for your salvation. That's not the case. Baptism is not a work. It's a condition to salvation. Their feet did not knock down the walls of Jericho. God did. Yeah. Let me show you something else. Uh, Avon, can you grab that table back there? Bring it up front. I want to show you something because we look at these and these verses literally say what people are saying that it says. But I want to show you. If you want to understand biblical principles and biblical subjects, you have to go back to where it's first mentioned. 
we first hear about baptism and salvation in Acts chapter 2, right? That's the first place we hear about it. Just like when we were talking about faith, we went to Father Abraham, right? Because we hear about faith first from him. Josh, you, you've had plenty of practice. I was going to call Layton up here. He needs practice. But Josh, come on up here. I want to show you something. Now, I'm going to teach Josh how to change a diaper. All right? Layton, pay attention. All right, Josh. Now, first thing you got to do, Josh, you got to take this tab off and take that other tab off right there. All right, go ahead and open it up. You got, you got a surprise there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you take that. Now, you don't want to stare it too long. You might pass out. You got a snicker bar right there. So you, you can use this diaper to start the wiping process. That way you don't use that many wipes. So go ahead and use that to wipe a little bit. It matters which direction you wipe for the girls. Okay. All right. So he wipes that. Go ahead and pull out a wipe. You got to hurry up because if you don't hurry up, you're going to have a mess. All right. All right. Don't waste the wipes. There you go. Now, go ahead and wipe that way. Yeah. All right. Clean all around. Now, this is what you do. You got to be quick with this. You got to use your other hand. You got to swap that. Open that up. Swap it out real quick. Move that one to the side. If you got multiple kids, this is when you call them to come grab that. Okay? All right. Now, you set that down. Pull that up. Put it nice and slow right there. No, it's right here. It's right here. There we go. Now, see, y'all used to use baby powder. We don't do that no more. We don't do baby powder anymore. Now, you take that, pull that tab, put it right there. All right? Since this baby a little skinny, you're going to have to pull that over the top. And just like that, that's how you change the diaper. You got that? All right. Now, step by step. Y'all give, give him a hand for doing that so well. Wait, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Now, I want you to change the diaper. Yeah, change the diaper. Okay. Y'all seeing this? this? This is amazing, right? All right. Look at that. Y'all see that? You see? You see that? That's pretty good, huh? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Here's what I want you to see in this. When Peter speaks about salvation in Acts 2, when Peter speaks about what it is that we should do, Peter says, this is the very first instance of salvation that's spoken about in the Bible. He says, you need to repent and be baptized. What would be the point of Peter Going through the steps of saying the same thing and all the other apostles saying the same thing every time instead of just saying, be saved. When you look at the Bible and you see be saved or do this for your salvation, know that repentance and baptism is inclusive in that. 
I didn't have to. After I told Josh how to change a diaper, I didn't have to say wipe, pull down. Un- you don't have to do all that. You can say change diaper. When we're talking about salvation, every time they mention salvation in the Bible, they don't have to talk about repent, be saved, go in the water, dip, cover, immerse. Who talks like that? Does that make sense? All right. I hope y'all got that. Because this is what this is what's being used in order to say that baptism is not essential for salvation. Now, you see these you see these verses that are present there. And and and, and then others are going to Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight, and they'll say, For you are saved by grace through what? That's a true statement. You are saved by grace through faith. Through faith. Grace is the kindness of God. God knows that you didn't do anything to gain your salvation. He knows that Jesus did all the work. That's kindness. That's grace. You are saved by grace through faith. It's through your blind trust, your blind belief in the fact that there was a human being whose body was was, uh, contained by the Son of God. You have to believe that. And people will say, you're saved. By grace, through faith. And they say, I want you to raise your hand. I need you to say with the, type this into the stream that Jesus is your Lord. Say this prayer that you are saved and you're inviting him into your life. Because all you need is grace by faith. It's not the case. Where do you find that biblically? Where is the sinner's prayer in the Bible? Where do we find in our Bible, instruction from those who came from Jesus saying, just accept him into your heart. We don't. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not doing that. I, I want to make it clearly known how to become a Christian. Now, in context, when people come to you and they say, well, baptism is a work. This has nothing to do with it. All you have to do is have faith and believe. Context again matters. You see, in this letter to the, the church of Ephesus, Paul is writing to them because there's a lot of Jewish Christians who are saying, in order for you to be a good Christian, you must first be a good Jew. So all you grown men, you need to go get circumcised and become a Jew. You need to stop eating pork because the Jews don't do that. And Paul writes in the letter say, look, it's not that who's, that's, that saves you. He says, this is a gift from God. You don't have to. It's none of those things. Saved, baptism, repentance and baptism is a grace work by God. You attain it through faith. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. I hope y'all taking notes in the, in, the, in the margins of your Bible. So Peter, he again says in Acts 2.38, he says, repent and be baptized, each of you. And this thing called baptism, the word literally means in the Greek to be buried, right? Baptizo is the Greek word. It means to be buried, right? When they buried their dead dog, they baptizo the dog, right? Buried, right? So when someone says sprinkling, they're changing the diaper in the way that God didn't prescribe, right? They're putting the diaper on the baby's head because that's not burying, okay? Does that make sense? Okay. So he says, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And I want to point this out to you as well. Y'all ready for this? It's not possible for babies to sin. 
so they don't need to be baptized. Make sense? What does a baby need to change his mind about? Now, I know some people are in the trend of throwing their babies in water now. I've seen that. <laughs> I'm not throwing my baby in the water, but babies can swim. For, that's not part of this. All right, so, but I, I wouldn't recommend putting your baby in the water. Okay. He says, repeat and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. He says that this can't just be in old Ray's name. This can't be in Betty Sue's name. This thing that you're doing, this baptism, this must be in the name of Jesus Christ. There's something special about this. This baptism is not something that's just fly by the seat of your pants. This thing is special. It's in the name of Jesus. And he says the reason for this is for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I want to point out to you the biblical, the biblical definition of forgiveness, right? Because some of us, we define forgiveness of, I'm not going to talk about what you did wrong until you make me mad again. Right? We've been there before, right? Let me tell you what forgiveness is. This is my definition of forgiveness as based on the the, the dictionaries and the lexicons, whatever I've read, okay? Forgiveness is the letting go of harmful actions to reestablish a loving relationship. That's what forgiveness is. You're not going to forget the wrongs that people did to you. It's impossible. I remember they used to tell me when I was a kid, forgive and forget. But I can't. (laughs) I'm not going to forget that. I got to wash my back now. Right? But you are able to let go of what was done wrong. And you are able to reestablish a loving relationship. And so when Peter said, repenting to be baptized he's saying that god is now forgetting the wrong that you've done in reestablishing relationship that relationship that adam and eve had in the garden when they were walking with god and communing with god and could talk with god and god could direct their lives that relationship is then established again and so now we ask ourselves the question he, or he says who can who can uh 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 He says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I need you to understand and see this, too. Which sin has separated us from God? God was not able to be in the presence of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden anymore. Because if so, God was going to have to do something. God is all about justice. If wrong is done, God has to do right. But look at what God does. When he reestablishes relationship, it says that he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells in you. When you used to not be able to be in the presence of God, baptism makes it possible to where now God dwells in you. That's special. Because the Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And that's special. We don't have that without God. We live our lives meaningless, searching for meaning, right? Searching for meaning, trying to figure out our left from our right. With God, we have purpose. With God, we have direction, right? And so we look at verse number 39. Verse number 39, who can be baptized? Who can be baptized? Well, the Bible says in verse 39, for the promise, look at this, for the promise, because he said you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And the prophecy of Joel has come true. He said, for the promise is for you, those who were present on the day of Pentecost, and for your children, those who are the descendants of those people who were there, and for all who are far off. Who are the far off people? Gentiles. That means those 
who are not Israelites. Those who do not descend from the lineage of Abraham. It's saying that this is what God does. God says, I don't care what humanity has established. I know that Romans on top right now, and they feel like Romans are better than any other people. I know that women don't have uh, good roles in the society, and they're seen as nothing right along with the children. Yeah, it's true. This is what their society did. I know that slaves don't have rights. I know that people belong to other people. But God says it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Everybody can be a recipient of my gift. And he says those who are far off, as many the Lord our God will call. So Peter, he preaches this message. He says, all of those things that troubles their heart and they ask what to do. He says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. He says, this is for everybody. And then he begins in verse number 40. He says, the Bible says, with many other words, he testified and strongly urged him saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Be saved from this corrupt generation. Any culture, look, this is what the Romans did. The Romans would use criminals as streetlights. Put them on a post. They like, like they was a shish kebab and light them up so people could see their way down the road. That's, that's a pretty messed up society, right? People who had children in this time, there was, some, there was this, this, this real historical writing of this guy writing home to his wife. And she's pregnant, and he tells his wife, well, if it's a girl, go ahead and expose her. I'm talking about just throwing the baby out in the wilderness. If it's a boy, name him such and such. This is the culture that they existed in. And Paul's saying, save yourself from this, 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 this bad environment, this corrupt generation. Paul is saying that if you don't do something about your current environment, you'll be lost too. You'll fall in with them too. He's saying, do this now. Don't wait. Don't wait. If you have on your mind right now that you need to do something about your eternal salvation, do not wait. Be saved right now. And he says in verse 41, so those who accepted his message were baptized. That day, about 3,000 people were added to them. I want you to pay attention to a couple of things here. I want you to pay attention to a couple of things. This is what I need you to see in this. Now, it says that the number was 3,000, right? I need you to know that there are probably around a million people there. Yeah, only 3,000. 3,000 sounds like a big number to be baptized. But there's probably a million people there. So I need you to understand this. Don't be discouraged because other people won't believe. You're not going to be able to reach everybody. Okay? All right. Don't be discouraged by that. Then I want you to also take note of this. Added. It says when they were baptized, they were added to them and the them was the church. Right. The church is not the building, but Christians are the church. If you go if you go to a place and a human being, a man or woman has the ability to add you to that church. It has nothing to do with God or the Bible. Because if they can put you into the church, they can put you out. Does that make sense? Any place that says, I'm going to add you to the church, some person, some human being 
that has nothing to do with God. Okay? God adds to the church through baptism. Paul says, don't wait until the next holy festival. Don't wait until the next Passover. Don't wait until the next Pentecost day. Don't wait until tomorrow. They didn't have it to where they set up a baptism Sunday. Where do, where do people get this from? But this is what this is what people do. Look, look, this is what people do. They will take something out of context and they will say, just so that we can look good and make it look like an event. You want to be baptized? We're going to baptize you in three weeks when everybody else is coming to be baptized. Let me point this out to you. If baptism is essential for salvation, right? Essential for you becoming a Christian. And they tell you to wait until three weeks. What happens if you die in your sins? Do they really care if they're telling you to wait to baptism Sunday? Do they really care about your soul or about the program looking good? Yeah. These are things that we don't often think about, right? Because they'll give you a cool shirt that says, I was baptized, right? Really cool graphic on the shirt, and everybody will come, and your family will come, and they'll let people that ain't baptized baptize you. Okay, whatever. man of God, a child of God, a Christian cares about the souls of other people. I don't want you to wait. If your heart is troubled, this thing up here, if it's troubled and you don't know whether or not you are saved and you don't know whether or not you are baptized for the remission of your sins, because I want to let you know there are many baptisms that exist in this world. Right? They were doing baptisms before the day of Pentecost. They used to do it for ritual cleansing. The Hebrews did. The Israelites, right? There are people who were baptized because they were told that baptism adds you to the church. It's not essential for salvation, but it just makes you a member of the church. That's not the same baptism. It's different. I would rather do what God's word says than what a human being who can make mistakes tells me to do. You want to know how to become a Christian? What they did was, it says here, this word right here, I want to point this out to you because this is not the same. We read the, we read the Bible a lot and we look at it in our English context. The word accept is something that we don't do a lot, especially when we're kids. But this word accept here means to believe something and then act on it. Yeah. If you believe the message of the gospel about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he came, that he was a human being, that he died, that he was put into a tomb, and that he rose from the dead, if you believe it, if it troubles your heart that you played a part in him suffering the way that he did, do something about it. Change your mind about how you've been living. Turn to Jesus. Make the decision that you're going to do your best to do right. Understand that you're going to mess up. Understand that you're going to you're going to make some mistakes along the way. Everybody makes mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm just the guy with the microphone. Right? Be baptized for the remission of your sins. 
I want you to know that remission of your sins and the reestablishment of relationship, God has the ability to wipe your slate clean and forget. He can really forget. Baptism will wipe your slate clean to where everything that you've done in your past, even that thing that you don't even share with your closest friends, that thing that you didn't tell your Baptism can get rid of that too. I invite you to do so. We're about to sing a song right now. If you want to be baptized, stand up. We'll come and grab you. Somebody will come. Church, church family, if you see somebody raise their hand, they want to come be baptized, we will baptize you today. Amen. If you want to do so, please do it as we sing the song of invitation. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Well, that is victory. If you just stand in need of prayer today, we can pray for you as well. Raise your hand if you need prayer today. We will pray with you. I know that the road is tough. I know that it doesn't doesn't always seem easy, but I want you to know that it is possible. It is possible to be righteous today. It is possible to be saved. We are the family of God. Striving to be where we are. love more. Ready to receive our King blessing. Oh, oh, yeah. Christ alone. We are people of more. Oh, oh, yeah. We are people of more. We will learn more. Grow and stronger than we did before. People of more. The Son of God, we adore. Oh, 